We become like our parents, or maybe a little bit like our parents, because they're usually the people we see most growing up, right? We see their idiosyncrasies, we hear their jokes over and over and over and over again. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's not so good, I understand that, and we'll get to that soon. But we often only recognize those weird and obnoxious traits, right? Like the bad jokes, or sometimes... My parents might watch this, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. But we pick up sometimes those obnoxious traits, right? We've begun this series on the Ten Commandments, or literally translated ten words, but in English, commandments is probably a better word we use. And today, um, we're going to begin what I'll call the first of the last six. Okay, and so that, that'll make way more sense to you when I explain that in a minute. So let's stand so we can read this morning. This is also the second commandment written as a, in a positive tone. So we, so we had no other gods before me, no graven image, don't take the Lord's name in vain. But then we moved to keep the Sabbath. It's more positive that way. And today we have Exodus 20, and I'm going to hopefully hit the right button here. Exodus 20, verse 12, which reads, oh, let's both read at the same time. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Next week is even shorter, I promise. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible that you give to us so we can learn about you and we can learn about life. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, that you would speak through me, and that God, let no one leave here unchanged today, not because of anything I said, but because of something you did. So we thank you again, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you have a seat? When we get to this text, it's often quickly pointed out that is the only command with a promise attached to it, that your days will be long in the land God is giving you. And there's actually two places in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are found, uh, in list form anyway, and the second being in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5.16, where this, verse is, or this command is also found, adds a little bit more to this particular promise. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long in the land, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So we're not just looking at long life here, but implied is also this longevity of the nation in the land, of the Israelites living in the land that God promised them. We might call this the continuity of the covenant, the covenant being to Abraham that I will give you a, a, a land, a new people, a new nation. And then this is the continuity of that, that that you'll live long there. It's not just you'll inherit it, but you'll also be there for a long time. It means that God is giving them something, and if you honor your father and your mother, you will live long there in that covenant promise. And not just things going well, but according to rabbinical tradition, it also meant that Israel would have favor with God while they're, while they're there in all that they do, whether it was trade, farming, relationships, whatever, everything, they would have God's favor. But also this promise serves as a reminder of the bigger promise, that it may go well with you in the land. I promise you that, but remember the promise of the land. Don't forget that promise. There's a bigger promise at play here. But of course, with an explicit promise comes an implicit warning. Failure to honor parents results in a national loss of inheritance, the promised land. So the flip side of of blessing for obedience comes consequence for disobedience. We see this in the Old Testament, Leviticus 20, verse 9, 
It gets a little heavy, says, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. And just after the Ten Commandments in Exodus, Exodus 21 verse 15 says, Anyone who strikes father or mother shall be put to death. And two verses later says, Anyone who curses father or mother shall be put to death. I think it's safe to say that God is taking this command rather seriously. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. So in the Ten Commandments, we see this switch in relational direction, I'll call it. It's a relational directional switch in the commandments. The first four commandments are all about our relationship with God, okay? No other gods before me, do not covet, do not take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath. The first four commandments. And then the last six, or the final six, are about our relationship with each other. Hence, today is the first of the last six. The first four are very spiritual in nature, And the last six are very practical in nature. And just as the commandments begin with a relationship or with our relationship with God, it's good to point out that the first relationship among humans that's pointed out and that is recognized in the Ten Commandments is the priority of parents and their role of family in society, religion. Life does not exist without God, yes, but life also doesn't exist without two people becoming parents. Two people have to become parents in order for another life to begin. Father and mother are fundamental and essential to the, ex- to the existence and the creation of human life. And father and mother are also essential to the existence and longevity of the individual and the society. These commandments, you have to remember, are given to the Israelites after they're freed from slavery in Egypt. You've got to remember that the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years. I'm no anthropologist but I'm going to take a shot that the first people that went into slavery have long died, and now you've got a whole new group of people. You've got this entirely new group of people who are now being promised promised freedom, being promised a new land, that they'll establish a new society that carries with it God's promise of redemption for the world, but how do you establish a functioning society that honors God in a new land when really all you know is slavery? So God laid out some of these basic directives for, people, for the people of Israel. Easy to follow instructions for proper dealings with him and with others. Now, we read the Ten Commandments often and we, they almost seem kind of, I don't want to say juvenile, but they seem pretty almost kind of juvenile because we also live in a society that has laws based upon these exact same principles. But to them at that time in their situation, having these laws that govern them as a society and where God would lead them and be their head would be an entirely new way of life, would be an entirely new way of living. So getting into the practical, I am, not all of our family dynamics are the exact same in this room, and I understand that. Um, So today I'm going to, we're going to have to do a little bit of interpreting to fit our own unique situations and our family dynamics. Um, I've tried to simplify this as, as basic as I can. And I'm trying to simplify all of our different situations into two main categories. So uh, we're going to try to look at this command from two different vantage points. Uh, Because to say honor your father and your mother, um, someone at some point is going to come along and say, well, what if, and then fill in their specific situation. Well, what if? So let's start with how to honor your father and your mother when parents follow the commands. When parents are... You know, the kind of parents you would hope and expect people to be. 
So the commandment takes for granted that the parents will be raising their children in the ways of God. After all, it's a commandment to parents throughout the or commandment to parents throughout the early Old Testament to raise your children in the history and the stories of God. In ancient Israel today, the Jewish people ancient Israel and today, sorry, the Jewish people have this prayer that they call called the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy six, four to seven, which reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So we often start with this idea that children should honor and submit to their parents, but in actuality it starts with parents' commitment and diligence to pass along to their children the commands and the stories of God. Of course, as parents... As parents, we, we pass on these stories to our children, and their children pass it on to their children, and their children to their children, and so on. Thus, the promise and the, of the command goes, your days shall be long in the land. Bob Keeshan, I think I'm saying his last name right, wrote this, parents are the ultimate role models for children. Every word, movement, and action has an effect. No other person has a greater influence on a child than the parent. Now, as your youth pastor, I assure you, I assure all the parents in this room that you are still, and you always will be, the greatest influence on your kid's life. I promise you that through the teenage years, it certainly won't look that way. I can guarantee that. But I assure you, you are still the greatest influence in their life. So when we're looking at these commandments, they... They add some clarity for how to live in relation to God and, and with each other within a society. But at the same time, there's also this slight lack of clarity on exactly what it means, which leads us to the question, what exactly does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Does honor mean complete obedience in every situation? Does honor mean we completely submit to parental authority no matter what? All the parents want to say, amen, yeah, yeah. Does honor mean we, we care for our parents, for their physical, emotional, spiritual well-being? Is it all of them? Is it none of them? When you're a child, I mean, I have to point it out, yes, it does mean obedience. Kids, you have to listen to your parents. And all the parents said. You have to listen to your parents. You must listen to what they tell you to do or not to do. Of course, it takes for granted that the parents want the best for their kids, which I think most do. Even Jesus acknowledges that parents are trying to give the best to their kids. Luke 11, Jesus asks, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If then even you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give to you? Jesus even kind of writes it in there. Like he, parents generally want the best for their kids. And to our students and other young people in this room, I assure you, I can assure most of you that, yeah, your parents want the best for you. And when they ask you to do something, it is for the, your benefit. When they ask you not to do something, it is for your benefit. And you actually fulfill a command of God when you are being obedient to your parents, whether you like it or not. I didn't always like listening to my parents, and I know my kids don't always like listening to me but I assure you, because disobedience obviously has its consequences. 
It's also honoring them when you respect their decision instead of criticizing it. Sometimes we listen to our parents and we'll obey them, but, you know, we'll do it begrudgingly and walk away like, I don't like what mom and dad did there. But I encourage you to fulfill their requests happily instead of begrudgingly. Listen to them intently instead of waiting for your turn to lash back. And of course, there's other circumstances that apply, though. Other circumstances which lead us back to that question. Well, what if... What if I've talked to a number of students over the years whose parents want them to attend, and this is, I'm not going to say a problem, but I hear it a lot. Their parents want them to attend a certain college or university, or they're pushing them into a certain career, but the student really truly believes that God is leading them in a different direction. What's a child to do? Or a parent may be caught in a certain sin, and their child finds out, and the parent kind of expects the child to keep that information to themselves, what's a child to do? Is there ever a time when a child is to disobey their parents? Is there ever a time when a child should act a certain way that does not seem to show honor to their mom or their, and their dad? I think the answer is absolutely 100%, yeah, there are times. One commentator wrote this, nowhere is there, talking about parents, nowhere is their word to rival or be substitute for God's word. Ephesians 6, Paul writes, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them in the, up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And we see it exhibited in Jesus' own life. Luke 2 records this. Now his, his parents, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in their group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? When we ask our children to go against the commands of God... Uh, we don't have the right to pull out the honor your father and your mother card. It's not a trump card that you can pull out. And just to, as a way to get our own way. Our children are subject to God before even they're subject to us as parents. My father-in-law once said this, and I'm going to quote him on it and hope he sees it. He says, you can never hold your child up to your standards because they'll fail every time whether that's a good or bad thing. Instead, hold them to God's standards. They may fall short, but at least they'll be on the right track. Children will not be provoked to dishonor a parent when the parent respects the ultimate authority God has in their lives. Now, certainly this is a little different when a child is four versus when a child is, you know, like 17, 18, 19 years old. I, I, I hope you're interpreting the difference here too, right? 
Obviously, when we become adults, things change. My mom and dad, they may try to, but they can't just walk into my house and start barking orders and say, you need to do this, you need to do that. Because I have every right to say no. It's my house. I'm a grown man. I have my own kids. Love you, mom and dad, but no. Some people are going, oh my goodness. We all, most of us, hopefully, will all get to a point where, as the Bible says, we leave our father and mother to be united to our wife or wife to her husband, which means, yes, we're no longer under their direct authority. So how do we honor our parents, even though we don't really have to listen to them? Getting older is great, but at the same time. When we're adults, it means we prize them highly. We prize them for who they are as people. My parents have their quirks and idiosyncrasies, but I still prize them highly. They were wonderful parents. We speak well of them and how they raised us. I understand, yeah, I make mistakes with my kids. My parents made mistakes with me, but they did their best. That means we care for them when necessary. If we need to look after them physically or whatever it happens to be, that we are there for them. My grandmother passed away a couple of weeks ago. She lived at my parents' house for about a year, a little over a year, because she couldn't live on her own anymore. So my parents took her in. We care for them. But we also respect. We have respect for their personhood. We respect who they are. We respect that they are created in the image of God just like everyone else. Treating them with dignity and respect like we would or like we should for other people. Respect for the image of God that they bear. But of course, we once again encounter the issue, well, what if? And you can say to me, well, that's all well and good, pastor. Your parents treated you like gold. But what am I supposed to do? My parents were alcoholics. My dad beat me and my sister. They got a divorce. Mom blamed me. Dad ran off with his girlfriend. I haven't seen him in 17 years. That may not be your exact story. But some of you can relate to the picture that I'm painting. What about when parents don't follow the commands? How do we honor our mother and our father when mom and dad, well, weren't really mom and dad? How do we honor a father and a mother who, in all honesty, don't really, don't really deserve to be called mom and dad? We turn our minds to what the Bible says about how we're to treat other people. What does Jesus teach us? You've heard this story a million times. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came along, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disaffecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you when I get back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the men attacked by robbers? I suppose the one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar answered. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. The story of the Good Samaritan 
helping someone has been told many times over. If you know the history of Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. If the Samaritan had just walked by a beaten up Jewish man on the side of the road, no one would blame him. If that's how Jesus' story went, Samaritan came by and just kept walking, most people would have said, well, yeah, of course he would have. Why wouldn't he? In fact, a Samaritan would probably face ridicule for even helping a Jewish person. And it's most likely that the Jewish man would have been mortified at the thought of being helped by a Samaritan. So when our parents fail to live up to the role that they signed up for, when our parents don't act like parents, when our father and our mother do everything but be a father and a mother, society may tell you that it's okay to forget about them. In fact, you may face ridicule for honoring them in any way. But let's never forget that they are still people, that they are still created in the image of God, and therefore we treat them like they're created in the image of God. Even if society tells you, even encourages you to do otherwise. Somewhere, someone somewhere in every generational line has to break the cycle of dishonor. Kids often follow the same path as their parents. So instead of heading down a life of destruction like your parents did, choose life over death. Choose to honor your parents even if they don't deserve it. Because guess what you're going to teach your kids about honoring their parents? We can never forget that none of us are perfect. As imperfect as your parents may have been, you are not perfect either. Choose to break that cycle by honoring your parents however you can and create a new history for your family. Which leads us to this last part. We honor our father and a mother as a way of creating succession. As alluded to earlier, it's a continuity of the covenant. It's not just honor your father and mother, but honor your father and mother and then your children will honor you as father and mother and so on and so on and so on. Rabbi, I'm going to take a shot at this guy's name. Rabbi Saadia Gaon, Gaon wrote this. If a child honors his parents and cherishes them in their old age when they can no longer care for themselves, his own children will be inspired by this example and he will have the privilege of enjoying a long life and a blessed old age surrounded by the tender care of his own sons and daughters. What is this idea of that long life is promised by this commandment? Honoring your own father and your mother builds a succession into your family of honor and respect to be passed throughout the generations. Teach your children the laws so that your children will teach their children the laws and their children will teach their children the laws as a way of honoring you. Because when we honor our parents, we show our kids what it means to honor us. Your parents aren't perfect, and I'm certainly not perfect. Your kids will not be perfect parents. But we build a cycle of honor into our generational line. If you want to be honored, you must first show honor. There's a little bit of reap what you sow principle built into this. 
So we choose, we choose to honor our parents because it really is the right thing to do. Regardless of the mistakes that they've made, we honor our parents. But we also honor our parents because how you honor yours, I believe, will be how you too are honored by your kids. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our parents. Regardless of the mistakes that they may have made, whether they tried to make the mistakes or not, we thank you for our parents. God, help us, show us, day in, day out, how we can honor our parents. Not just so that we can be honored in return, but so that we can fulfill your command so that we can show them your love, we can show them who you are. So God, I pray for everyone here that, Lord, we would find ways, find ways to honor our parents, whether it's an email or a phone call this afternoon, whether it's a text message that we probably should have sent years ago, whether it's sitting in our living rooms with them, hanging out, just loving who they are. God, show us how to show honor. We thank you, God, again, for your word, for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray.